0: what up what up what up welcome in everybody philly sports 444 podcast i'm your host dom lewis thank you so much for tuning in i really do appreciate it listen guys we're growing every single day i can't thank you guys enough for tuning in listening thank you guys for you know your responses thank you guys for your feedback um continue to subscribe on itunes on google Podcasts, on spotify Give us those five-star ratings. Um, Any feedback you can, you can always email us. You can always tweet us um, at 444podcast on Twitter and 444podcast at gmail.com. Really do appreciate it. Um, Can't thank you guys enough, so thank you. Uh, Just want to get that out the way because we got a lot to talk about today. We got a lot to talk about. Um, The preseason is wrapped up. The preseason is done. Uh, we are on to week one versus the Falcons, and um, we got to recap the preseason. We got to talk about uh, the ineptitude of, of our offense right now, um, not scoring points, and uh, the quarterback looking terrible, uh, the offensive line not playing up to par. Uh, defense looks lights out, but besides that, I mean, we're, we really, really don't look good right now. Um, But it's no reason to panic because that was a preseason. But I'm going to go through all that. I'm going to recap it. Uh, I'm going to talk about the uh, final cuts, the final um, cuts that happened on Saturday uh, to get down to the 53-man roster. Also going to talk about uh, practice squad signees, uh, the notable signees to the practice squad, and what to expect for this upcoming week one versus the Falcons. My concerns. Um, we know that Nick Foles is now the starter for week one. Uh, Carson Wentz still had not, has not been cleared uh, for contact, so he is not uh, full go at practice. I even know he is practicing. Uh, he is not taking the first team reps this week. So right now, uh, Nick Foles is our guy, and we have to stick by him. But I'm going to outline my concerns with Nick Foles right now. I'm going to outline my concerns uh, how he played during this preseason, how he's looked, um, and do I think he's ready? Do I think the Eagles will win uh, Week One versus the Falcons? So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about all of that. I'm also gonna get into uh, some Sixers talk, a little bit of Sixers talk, not too much, because uh, there's not too much on the forefront. Uh, just gonna talk a little bit about Ben Simmons. I Also gonna talk about the upcoming interviews, uh, GMs interviews this week. Uh, we have three um candidates that are up for GM for the Sixers and we're going to talk about that a little bit. Also going to talk about the uh fading Phillies. <laughs> the fading fading Philadelphia Phillies. Uh last time I actually recorded a podcast, uh Phillies were still hot. They were still leading the NL East. They were still hot. They were still they were making their playoff push at that time. They were still on the pace I think at the time to win 90 games. And now uh they're not going to make the playoffs i don't know what happened well i i saw what happened in front of my own eyes during this month of august but um into september i should say but i know just from what i've seen that the phillies are not going to make the playoffs they've made a couple of moves they made a couple of uh, they uh acquired jose batista uh they acquired some guys um you know with the uh still trying to figure out how how it works in baseball with the you know, signing of players after the trade deadline, but they've acquired some talent, um, but they're still not going to make the playoffs. It doesn't matter at this point. Uh, I know they're bringing up some guys from uh, Lehigh Valley, uh, but still, they're not going to make the playoffs. They don't have enough offense, and right now their pitching is failing them as well. So um, it's it's crazy because even the last game that Nola pitched, he lost. Uh, He gave up a lot of runs. So, uh, yeah, the Phillies aren't going to the playoffs, you know, their season is done. And, you know, I'm just going to talk about, I'm not going to even, I'm not going to harp on how it's been a good season for them. Cause I believe that when you get to a certain point, your expectations change and our expectations as fans should have changed because we should have been expecting them to make the playoffs. And now for them to fade the way they've been fading I'm not the one to say it's okay that they had a good season. I'm not that guy, I'm really not. So I'm disappointed in how they've um, played over these last few weeks. And um, someone has to answer for this. Um, I feel like they they tried to make moves in order to get talent, in order to make the playoff push, but they have not played ball um, that a playoff team should play. And honestly, the only reason that it's really not a runaway for the Atlanta Braves who are leading the division is because they can't continue to win. They continue to to be a seesaw team as well. Just not as bad as the Phillies. They're winning more games than they're losing at this point. But the Phillies are just fading fast. At this point, they might finish third in the division because I feel like Washington might leapfrog them and become the second spot in the division. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with the Phillies. Um, but they're not my main concern at this point. They, what they did is they, they built the bridge to get us to September to get us to Eagles season opener. They've done a good job of that to keep us excited for the summer. Um, and that would be the only positive, uh, perspective that I want to give them because I'm disappointed in how they have faded, uh, off of the face of the earth. So going to talk about them, going to talk about, Ben Simmons, a little bit about the Sixers, but heavy, heavy Eagles talk today. Heavy, heavy Eagles talk on this podcast, on this episode. So uh, stay tuned. Thank you guys for tuning in. Going to take a short break, and I'll be back in a moment. All right, guys. So let's. Let's talk about Eagles preseason. Uh, let's let's recap what what happened basically. So, Eagles went one and three in the preseason. They only they lost. They won their last game. That was the only game they won, uh, with a score of ten to nine against the Jets. Uh, but for the other games in the preseason, they didn't look sharp. So, they played the Steelers first preseason game. They scored some points in the first half and then the second half. Uh, gave up a lot. So defense didn't look that sharp in that game. Uh, second game, they played the Patriots. Patriots came out firing on all cylinders. Our defense didn't look that great. Our offense looked abysmal. Nick Foles looked terrible. Viatai didn't block. Um, our offensive line in general didn't look that great, but Vi just looked abysmal. And we lost that game 37-20. The only bright spot in that game was that um, Nate Sudfield threw for over 300 yards and threw a couple touchdowns. He looked good that game. Um, and, and to be honest, he looked good the majority of the preseason. So uh, much respect to uh, Nate Sudfield in that regard. Third preseason game, played the abysmal Browns, who are probably actually going to be better this year. Um, but they played the Browns. They lost that game 5 to nothing. Uh, couldn't score any offensive touchdowns at all that game. Couldn't even uh, get a field goal that game. Uh, Jake Elliott missed a field goal that game, I remember that. But in general, um, Nick Foles, again, he looked he looked even worse than he did uh, in Boston. Uh, he fumbled the ball. He threw two picks. Uh, and I, I know that the Browns are, are getting better and they have some talent on that defense, but... Uh, to turn the ball over five times uh, in one half is just absolutely ridiculous, especially if you're the defending world champs. So, we looked absolutely atrocious that game. And the story, the entire preseason, besides who's going to start Week One, Carson Wentz or Nick Foles, was how abysmal the offense looked. Um, and we looked, we looked horrible. We looked abysmal. We couldn't get any offensive. Uh, traction in game two or game three. Now I get it. We don't pre, we don't game plan for preseason games, so it's it's not it's it's nothing to panic over because uh, we don't have an actual game plan. We're not running any of our actual plays that we run during the season. Uh, maybe a couple of them, but nothing. Or It's very vanilla. I get it. I understand it, and and that's why I didn't panic, but just to look the way we looked during that, not even necessarily the 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 Patriots game, but that Browns game, just to look how bad we looked, uh, just not scoring any offensive touchdowns uh, or not getting any points on offense, period, against the Browns, which is absolutely unacceptable, in my opinion. Now, I will say that during the beginning of the second quarter, the, the Eagles looked a lot better. They were looking a lot sharper on offense. But overall, the effort was just not good that game. Um, and to be like on a, you know, that was the only, I think that was the only preseason game on that night. So we were actually on a national stage at that point. And we just, um, while we didn't have our best showcase, uh, the Browns made a good um they had a good outing in the sense of, you know, having a better uh, defense, having a better team overall, um, looking to contend just to win some games this year. So I respect that out of them. But just the fact that we looked the way we looked, it was unacceptable to me. And it, it, it leaves me concerned going into week one of uh, the real season of the actual regular season, uh, which Nick Foles is the starter. He was named the starter today. Uh, which is, today is Labor Day, so he was in to start of today, um, and yeah, Carson still not cleared the place, not cleared for contact, so uh, who knows when he'll be cleared, um, and I'll, I'll, on another, you know, another segment of the podcast, I'll get into that, but uh, just to recap the preseason, we looked bad, uh, Nick Foles looked bad, Vitae looked atrocious, and I'm so thankful that he is not our starting left tackle. You know, I if anyone has ever taken Jason Peters for granted, like, you should, like, stop right now. Understand that Jason Peters is all pro, pro bowler, future Hall of Famer, and he is, it, it's imperative that we have him there. It's imperative that we have him there. So I'm thankful that he is actually um going to start left tackle and and hopefully he's healthy the whole season because uh, i know he's older i know his body you know is is, he's no he's no longer a young man you know and his body you know when you get older your body breaks down i understand i get it but he is the bodyguard and he will protect whenever Carson comes back he will protect carson and i I can't have viatai I can't have Vitae in there just being a turnstile, you know, not using his, not moving his feet. Like, you can see it. You can see it. Like, for, you know, he's a strong, he's a strong guy. He's strong. Like, and, you know, as far as, you know, him punching and stuff, he has that, he has that down pack. He does. He doesn't move his feet, though. So, with faster DNs, like, you can see, he doesn't move his feet and he gets beat very easily. And I can't have him getting beat and getting my quarterback killed. I just can't have it. So I'm thankful that Jason Peters is coming back. And I'm thankful that Jason Peters will be the starting left tackle for this team. Hopefully, he will be there the entire season. So I'm thankful for that. Now, as far as Nick Foles goes, uh, he just looked absolutely abysmal. And I, I know I keep saying it. It's probably saying I'm being repetitive, but I can't stress it enough how bad he looked. But I think that um, I heard Seth Joyner say something. It was the, I think it was halftime during the Browns game. Um, He says that, you know, Nick Foles is trying to run Carson Wentz's offense under being under center, making the pre snap reads, making, going through his progressions. And if for you to expect or for someone to expect him to do that, to actually run Carson's offense the way Carson does, you're fooling yourself. You, you know, you, he's not going to be able to do that. He cannot run Carson's offense, and you know it clicked for me right when he said it. Like I get it. Like you know, I understand that Nick Foles he excelled in doing the RPOs, but I really didn't even understand how much Carson really does until that game. Until until Seth Joyner said that he said the fact that he can't he can't run Carson's offense let you know where Nick Foles is and where Carson Wentz is. So. All that talk about Nick Foles being this and being that. And let's say he goes in this season and he he rips off three straight, three or four straight wins. I still don't want him to be my starting quarterback. I still want Carson Wentz in there. As soon as he's healthy, Carson Wentz needs to be in there. I don't care if Carson Gilson comes uh, after injury and loses two straight. I wouldn't be mad, but I still understand that Carson Wentz needs to be our starting quarterback. And he is our franchise quarterback. There is no question about that anymore. After watching this preseason, I understand now and forever who Nick Foles is and who Carson Wentz is to this team. So all of that talk about Nick Foles this, Nick Foles that, and you know, possibly doing making Nick Foles, keeping him here longer. Listen, Nick Foles needs to be in, and I said it after one of the games, Nick Foles needs to be in there as long as he needs to be in there as far as starting the games, and that's it. That's it. He needs to start as many times as he needs to start, and then as soon as Carson's healthy, go sit on the bench. I don't need him starting games late into this season. If Carson's healthy, Carson plays. That's the end of the story. That's just how I feel, you know? I I, I call it how I see it, man. I really do. And I understand Carson Wentz who he is to this team and people people didn't forgot like people have got wrapped up in the allure of you know nick Foles being super bowl mvp and you know the bdn thing and him ripping off you know these wins you know to get us to the super bowl and actually win it i'm thankful for that i'm thankful for nick Foles. i'm thankful that he did that but let's not fool ourselves in in And being blind to who he really is. Like, this preseason showed you, like, Nick Foles is, I'm not going to say he's a one-trick pony. Because I don't want to disrespect him in that manner. But Nick Foles is Nick Foles. And then Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz. He's so much above and so far ahead of Nick Foles that it's not even funny. He has so much of a better skill set than Nick Foles that it's not even funny. You can see now why Nick Foles is not a starting quarterback in this league. You can see why. And it's not, like I said, I don't say this with disrespect to Nick Foles. I say this being real, like this is Nick Foles. This is who he is. And Carson Wentz is who he is. And I think that people got so wrapped up in the allure of what Nick Foles did that they forgot about who Carson Wentz was and who Carson Wentz is. And I'm not going to lie, man, he's been looking good. Like, as far as, um, these, you know, the the pregame workouts, every game that we've been seeing him, he's been looking good. He's ready to, like, I look like it, you know, for the naked eye, it looks like he's ready to go. Looks like he's not missing a beat, but obviously the doctors have not cleared him, um, and who knows how long he won't be clear. I, maybe it'll be, I'm, you know, I think the smart money is saying that he'll be cleared for game three versus the Colts, which is the next home game after the season opener. But who knows? He may not be cleared till week five versus the Vikings. You know, we don't know. But I'm hoping that, you know, that he's 100% and he returns And that he's 100%. Now, granted, he's going to come back. He probably will be a little rusty. But I trust Carson Wentz to be who he is because he actually is a good quarterback. Like, it's not... He's not a one-trick pony. He's not a, you know, a cheap trick or anything like that. He's not a... um, He didn't catch lightning in a bottle last year. He's actually good. And he will be good for the next 10 to 15 years. He will be good. So... That's who Carson Wentz is, and I expect him to be. I expect him to work through the kinks when he comes back, and I expect him to lead this team just like, as he always does. And not just for this season, but for years to come. So all in all, Nick Foles had a bad preseason. Viatai had a bad preseason. Um, the offense in general had a bad preseason. Defense looked good. Defense was good. Defense doesn't give up anything. They really don't. They they are stingy and I love it. They are so stingy. They don't give up anything. I mean, they had a bad game versus um the Patriots. I mean, they had a bad game, but besides that, I mean, they don't they don't give up anything, man. They are they are stingy and I love it. So much respect to Jim Swartz. He's so cool, man. When I see him on the sidelines, um, you know, the games. Like he's just he's just he's he's cool. Like he he makes me feel like he has things under control. You know he makes me feel like oh, it's covered. Don't even worry about that. I got it. I got it. My squad's ready to go. That's how I feel when I see Jim Schwartz. So I respect that guy. I really I like that guy. I, I love our defense. I think we're going to be even nastier this year. Uh, I don't know how long Jernigan's going to be out. Look, it's all good. We got enough depth at the defensive tackle spot where we'll be fine until Jernican comes back. So, um, but like I said, offense looked bad defense was good and overall, um, I mean, I got to give the Eagles a grade of probably a C C minus for the preseason. Cause they didn't look that good overall. Um, but, hey, the preseason is the preseason. Now it's time for week one. It is week one. It's time to game plan, all of that stuff. So we'll see what happens uh, on Thursday. I'm going to get into a little bit of uh, my predictions later on in the podcast. But um, just wanted to recap the preseason. And the next segment, I want to go into uh, the fifty, the final cuts. So who made the, the final 53 and who got signed to the practice squad i uh, going to get into that a little bit, then I'll get into uh, my week one predictions and my week one thoughts. So going to take a short break. Stay tuned. Uh, thank you for tuning in. I'll be back in a moment. All right, guys, once again, thank you guys for tuning in to the Philly Sports 444 podcast. I'm your host, Dom Lewis. Uh, we're just talking a little bit of Eagles right now. We're talking a lot of Eagles right now, I should say. Um, just recap the preseason. Let's talk about the Final Cuts, who made the 53-man roster, who made the practice squad, so on and so forth. So, Final Cuts, uh, the Final 53 was released on Saturday at 4 p.m. The Final 53, um, as far as the team in general, no real surprises. I would say uh, the biggest um, noticeable surprise well, not acquisition, but the biggest noticeable person who made the 53 would be Jordan Mailata, who was the uh, the guy we drafted in the seventh round of this past draft. Guy that played rugby, never played football in his life. Now, let me tell you something, guys. Uh, I, I watched preseason games three. No, he didn't play three. He played preseason game four. Uh, no, he played three, too. He played three and four. So he played preseason game threes. Uh, preseason games three and four. And for him to never have played football in his life, the guy looks like he's gonna be an offensive tackle, like a real offensive tackle in this league. Looks like he's gonna be our next tackle. Honestly, looks like he's gonna be, you know, he's gonna be the guy when Jason Peters leaves. Um it's wonderful, man. Uh this the guy's story is just kind of It's 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 crazy and it's wonderful at the same time. The fact that he never, the fact that he didn't even know how to put on his football equipment, he didn't know how to put on a pair of shoulder pads, he didn't know how to put on a helmet. A few weeks ago, a few months ago, now the guy is on a fifty-three man roster in this league just because of his athleticism Um, and just because he's able to be a student and actually learn the game. And I respect that. I I see that's what I respect. I respect people who. Are humble, keep their heads down, take criticism when they need to take it because they took a lot of criticism, and they learn and they grow, and I respect that. Like unlike Vitai, who had a bad preseason, and he had a good season last year. I don't, see. Here's the thing: I don't want to discredit Vitai, but Jordan of looks so much better than Vitai this year. And I grant, I grant, I understand he was going against like threes and fours, but. He, he looked better because he was able to learn, take criticism, actually learn from his mistakes, grow, develop. Vitae, he came out on record and he said, you know, how he just, um, he didn't do what he was supposed to do. One of the games, uh, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't take, he didn't take his coach's advice, which is, it concerns me. Like, are you letting success get to your head? You're not the starting left tackle on this team. You still got a lot of work that you need. Like, you cannot be out here showboating and just thinking, "Oh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna bully this DN because I'm stronger than him." I get it. You're a strong guy. I get it. I understand. You got good technique as far as punching, and I get it. You don't move your feet, which is listen. As an offensive lineman, that is the number one thing that you have to do. Having leverage and move your feet. Even I know that. And I am, I listen, I only played at the high school level, and I know that. I understand that. You have to move your feet. If you stand still, you'll get beat every time. Every single time. And for him not to take his coach's advice, not to take up his coaching, it concerned me. It really does. And I, I listen... I'm not saying he's not coachable, coachable. That's not what I'm saying. But for him not to take his coach's advice during this preseason, while he's in these games getting killed by Miles Garrett, it concerns me. You got to do better. You got to be better. Because you're one snap away from being the starting left tackle in, on this team. You got to be better. You must be better. So, disappointing to him. Very happy for Jordan Mailata. Also happy for the guy, DeAndre Carter. He was signed a few days before camp actually ended, and he actually made this team. And um, if you know a little bit about his story, he you know he talked to us. He's been on a couple different. Uh, he's been in a couple different camps uh, in the league, and he um, he made a promise to his brother who, who passed away when he was seventeen. Uh, he made a promise to his brother that he would actually, you know, be in the league. Um, that he would, and, you know, he would make his mark in the league, and um, he's on a team now. He is on a 53-man roster, and I, you know, he's a sixth receiver, which is fine by me. He he showed enough, you know, in his preseason games that he he should have made the team, and I'm glad he did. So much respect to him. Um, much respect to Jordan Myelada who made the team. Uh, as far as other um, other personnel moves, Josh Adams did not make the team. As far as he didn't make the fifty-three man roster, he did get signed to the practice squad. Uh, Ballsby, the uh, defensive back, he did not make. He was people were looking at him like he was going to be the uh, the slot corner, but he did not make the fifty-three man roster. Um, he is on the practice squad now, which is fine by me. A big, a big personnel move that was made um, as far as, like, someone who's been on the team for the last couple years, Stephen Means was released. Uh, He's, um, I don't think he's actually eligible to be on the practice squad any longer. So he is now a free agent. Um, And, you know, he was a good special teams player on this team. And as far as, you know, stuff that I heard about him as far as how he got players ready for games, as far as his practice habits and things like that. Heard he was really, really uh, instrumental in, you know, things last year and um, getting players ready, you know, like Brandon Graham and, you know, our, our star players, getting our star players ready on defense. He he was really, really um, a vital part in that, but he is no longer with the team. So he's going uh, as far as quarterbacks, Everyone knew Christian Hackerberg was going. He was going to be gone. Um, he stinks, man. He doesn't have a place in this league. Neither does Joe Callahan. He stinks, too. Um, uh, who else? Who else is gone? Um, oh, yeah. Um, I was so glad to get rid of... Um, man, I can't think of This guy's name escapes me right now. Uh, former running back that uh, played for... Um, played for the Redskins. We had him in camp. Um, I can't think of his name right now. I'm sorry, guys. I, I apologize. But we cut that guy. Oh, we definitely cut um, uh, Darnell Pumphrey. I'm so glad that he's no longer with this team. I just feel like he was always hurt. You know, I, I feel like he just, he was just, he just was not going to, he, it wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to work, you know. Couldn't redshirt him another year. He was injured all camp. He was injured all last year. He wasn't. He wasn't developing the way they wanted him to, um, and he is gone. So I'm. I'm glad. I'm glad. And I said it. I think I said it. If I didn't say it on the podcast, I said it on on Twitter. Uh, I said I couldn't wait till he was gone from this team, and I'm glad. Um, you know, I wish him all the best. You know, I, I wish. You know. You know. If he if he does have another opportunity to play in this league. I wish him the best. I, I really do, man. But I just knew he wasn't—he wasn't right for this team. I, I just knew it, and um, I'm glad that the Eagles have just cut ties and just you know cut their losses, honestly. So, um, besides that, there's no other real surprises with the 53-man roster. Um, yeah, there's no. I'm surprised that the Eagles actually kept Chance Warmack. I know they were, at one point, they were trying to trade him uh, late late in camp. They were trying to trade him, see if they could get some offers for him. But um, Eagles have kept chance where he is on the 53-man roster. Um, I have to figure out what's going on with Joe Walker. I think Joe Walker, one, let me let me say this, because I, I, you know, I, I've talked about this numerous occasions. I don't like Joe Walker. I don't like him. I just... I, I don't... Um, I can't stand that guy. I can't. So, I'm glad that he is not going to be a starting linebacker on this team. Um, I think Nick Gary is going to be the guy. Uh, while um, While Bradham is out for game one. Which sucks. But... Um, yeah, so... Joe Walker, I don't think he's actually on this team anymore. I think he initially made the 53 man, but the Eagles made a signing uh of a special teams guy and it bumped Joe Walker off the roster. So, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of relieved by that cuz I I don't want him actually playing linebacker on this team. He's not fast enough to play um and he can't cover. So, yeah, he can't he can't play linebacker in this on this team. I'm not saying he can't play in the league, but he can't play on this team. So, kind of relieved by that besides that there are no other real surprises with the 53 man um i'm happy with the roster that we have right now um i know our linebacking core is um for better for better um let me see for lack of better words it's 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 uh, shallow i'll say that it's shallow but overall i think our team is a good team um, I think we got a little bit more depth in the defensive backfield now. Defensive, yeah, defensive backfield. Um, and I think that, like I said, our, our defensive line is, is there's a lot of depth there. So I think we're fine there. I think we're fine at quarterback. Of course, um, this guy Dallas Goddard is—he's—he's going he's to play. He's going—he's a—he's a beast and he's going to play. Like he's going to be in the two tight end sets. He's going to get some plays. Like some—he's not going to start, but he's going to get some plays. You know, on Thursday. So um, he, he's a beast. I, you know, I like the depth that we still have at offensive line um, running back. You know, I Wendell Smallwood made the team again. He actually made the team again. So, um, like I said, Josh Adams did not make the team. He's on the practice squad. Um, Pumphrey was cut and the other guy um, was cut. I cannot think of his name. I'm sorry, guys. I really do apologize. I know you guys are going to kick my behind as soon as like you hear this because you guys are going to be screaming his name and I'm not going to be able to hear it. And I know I'll probably think of his name as soon as I take a break. But, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm believing what we have as far as um, our 53-man roster. I know that Howie is going to work his magic to get better. Um, I know that, um, you know, um, we'll be fine for Thursday as far as what we have set so far, I'm just more concerned about Nick Foles. You know, I'm concerned about him right now. Um, I know that Alshon Jeffrey won't play game one. Um, they don't expect him to come back until game three. But you know, we will have uh, Nelson Aguilar out there. We'll have and Mike Wilson have a good preseason, but I expect him to have a better game. Uh, game one, I expect this to be. Uh, and I and Zaggers is already in midseason form. That dude is already in midseason form, so I'm I'm good with him. So we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine as far as like our personnel. Um, I'm just more so concerned about Nick Foles and his execution um, because I saw in you know the second and third preseason games that he just was not executing. So um, I'm going to get into that more when I talk about um, my week one prediction and how I feel about. Um, everything going into week one. Um, so I'm just going to take another short break. I'll be back in a moment. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is the Philly Sports 444 4 Podcast, and I'm Dom Lewis. Thanks. Welcome back, everybody. Philly Sports 444 4 Podcast. I'm your host, Dom Lewis. Thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate it. Before I even get started on the segment, I remember this name. Matt Jones. <laughs> Matt Jones. Yes, the guy he used to play for the Redskins. Um he was uh he actually had some pretty good games against the Eagles when he played for the Redskins. Um and yeah, that guy I am so glad he did not make this roster. Um I actually wanted him to make the roster at the beginning until I saw him uh in game 3 him have that fumble. I knew it I was like he's gone. He is going now. Granted, he had a good game four. Uh, he scored, the actually, the game-winning touchdown uh, for the Eagles. But um, I just knew at the game three when he had that fumble, when the Eagles were driving against the Browns, that he wasn't going to make this team. He couldn't catch, though. He couldn't He couldn't catch uh, even when, it, when I watched game two, preseason game two, um, against the Patriots. He, he just could not... And in order to be a running back on this team, you have to be able to catch out of the backfield. I mean, in league, period. But definitely on this team and in this offense, you need to n- know how to catch. Um, and he couldn't catch, so he would drop a lot of passes. Uh, and he was just like slow. You just, I felt like he just like lost a step. So, um, yeah, you have there. You have it. Wendell Smallwood is your your fourth string running back for this team. So uh, we're running with. Um, Jay Ajayi, Darren Sproles, Chloe Clement, uh, and um, Wendell Smallwood, Josh Adams is on the practice squad. So I feel like Josh Adams is only like one call away, one hit away, you know, from being on this team. And uh, I actually thought that he would make it over Wendell Smallwood, but I guess Wendell had a good camp. I won't even lie. He had a really good camp. So he definitely had a good game three, I wouldn't say. I think he had a good game three. And um, I think that kind of solidified him being on this roster so uh, congratulations to him for being on the roster one more year and uh, I hope that he actually contributes something this year um, to the point where we actually feel like he is a value to this team so uh, with that being said let's get into uh, the week one uh, predictions and how I feel about week one in general Uh, I think one of the things about this episode of the podcast I've been It has been about Nick Foles and I just have I haven't felt comfortable with him. I've been criticizing him uh, throughout this entire podcast and I don't want to criticize Nick Foles. I don't want to feel negative about Nick Foles, but he hasn't he has not given me the the uh, confidence to feel confident in him. Um, He hasn't he hasn't he doesn't make me feel confident right now, honestly. He makes me feel like uh, I'm going to see Nick Foles that I saw in, um, I think it was week week 16 last year against the Raiders. That's how he, he makes me feel like I'm going to see that Nick Foles. He makes me feel like I'm going to see, you know, Nick Foles in St. Louis, that Nick Foles. Um, and I get it. He is standing in for Carson Wentz right now, but right now he is very vital to this team considering that he is the guy that will be starting for the foreseeable future um, because we don't know when Carson Wentz is coming back. We don't know when the doctors will clear him. We don't know when he'll be cleared for contact just even, you know, just for practices. We don't even know yet, you know, and I feel like, like, you know, Doug has said it uh, before, you know, him and Carson are tied at the hip. You know, wherever Carson, Carson's career goes, that's where Doug's career goes. And they need to have him healthy for the next 10 years, 12 years, next 15 years. They got to have him healthy. And they can't, you know, rush him along just because they want to win the game uh, on Thursday. You can't rush him because they want to have the game open, have him ready for the game opener. And I think that Doug wanted him open for, I mean, Hope wanted him to play the, uh, the opener. I think that's why Doug was so uptight about you know, not naming the starter. And, um, you know, people said that Doug was, you know, being kind of surly and being mean and being kind of rough with the media. I like it. I personally like it. I like it. Like, Doug has, he, there's nothing wrong with a coach doing that. There's nothing wrong with him getting annoyed at questions about. Um, he and me asked 70 times every single day about who's going to start Carson with Nick Foles. When is Carson going to be ready? That can get annoying. That can be taxing. And I don't I don't blame him for being annoyed with the media. I don't blame him for that. I think that people in the media are taking it way out of proportion. You know, like like listen. I get it. The media is an outlet for the fans to know what's going on with the team. I understand that. I'm not oblivious to that. But I understand that Doug is getting annoyed. I, I got it. Doug got annoyed with the media. And he definitely got annoyed when Ann Rappaport, who I think is, nah, eh, I don't really like the guy too much. But um, it's not, excuse me, let me not say that. Because it's going out on the airwaves. It's not that I don't like him. I just think that his reporting, a lot of times, so not a lot of times, but sometimes it's wrong. Like when when it comes to like Schefter, Schefter's never wrong. When Schefter reports something, it's gospel. When Chris Morrison reports something, it's gospel. It's not the same. It's not the same for Ann Rappaport. I feel like sometimes when he reports stuff, it's way off base, and it's especially been wrong with this team. So that's my gripe with Ann Rappaport. It's not that I don't like him personally or anything like that. I don't have a. I don't even know the man. But I feel like if you're going to report something, you got to it got it has to be right especially with, you know, this fan base, you it can't be wrong. And I feel like a lot of times he was wrong, but that's just that I digress. Anyway, Ann report was the first to report it on Saturday. Um, and then I heard it from Tim McManus that Nick Foles would be a starter. And then Doug came out on Sunday, had his press conference. And he was like, I really want to thank you guys for putting words in my mouth and That's when he was being really rough with the media. But people need to understand, Doug's trying to control the narrative. Doug's trying to win a football game. Doug's trying to game plan. Doug's trying to get a competitive advantage any way he can. So Doug's not being mean, and he's not being surly, and he's not being this, that, and the fourth with the media. He's not being stuck up because he won a Super Bowl. This has nothing to do with it. Doug's trying to win a football game. He's trying to do what's best for the Philadelphia Eagles. And yes, Doug is annoyed at getting asked the same question 70 million times a day, every single day. Yes, he's annoyed by that. There's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with Doug being annoyed. He's a human being. Yes, he is a football coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. And yes, he's trying to do what's best for the Philadelphia Eagles, not for the fans, not for the media. And I'm sorry if these media members got their feelings hurt because Doug was being a little rough with them or being a little, you know, short with them. I don't blame Doug. I don't get over it. You're the media. You all, People are always going to be short with you. People don't like you. Although your job, your job is done with good intentions. Ultimately, there are some people out there that do not like what you do. So if you got a problem with it, you got to get over it. Just report the right information. That's all. And if Doug's not giving it to you, he's just not giving it to you. He'll give it to you when he's ready. So all of this hype about um, the media, you know, the media versus Doug Peterson and Doug Doug Peterson versus the media. No, it's nothing like that. The media report on, do your job and report the facts, Doug will give you the information when he feels like it's right to give you the information. Understand that Doug's just trying to control the narrative. There's nothing wrong with that. So, I don't understand why people had a problem with Doug Peterson and with the way he acted. I, I don't get it. I listened to the press conference. I saw everything. I, I heard every question he was asked. I heard every response. I even heard at the end, he was just, all he said at the end, like, you know, I'm trying to win a football game here. I'm trying to get a competitive advantage. I am the one who has to make the decision on who is the starter, not the media. And in report, he should not be the one saying, oh, Doug, I mean, uh, Foles is the one to be the starter. If Doug didn't say it, it's not true until Doug says it. Now, Doug came out and said it today. So now Nick Foles is the starter. It's official. So let that be the end of it. I mean, I just don't I don't get this. Like I, I don't get the back and forth like look like the media isn't so entitled to something. Like th- this isn't this is not what it is. You report, your reporter report the information that is given to you by the head coach of the team. Period. Don't make assumptions. You know, don't go off what you feel. We're not asking you for an opinion. We're asking you to report the facts. That's what you should that's what you should be doing. And this is not even what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about week one and I will talk about week one. I will talk about how I feel. But I just have to get that out. Because it was such a big issue over the last few days. And I just feel like there was just so many just so many like people on the radio and fans out there that have an issue with this. Why? Let Doug coach the team. Let him do what he feels is best for the Philadelphia Eagles. You trust him enough, don't you? He won us a Super Bowl, right? So trust him when he's trying to, you know, do what he has to do, what's best for the team. Period. That's that, that's all I want to say on that. That's that's all. That's what I have to say on that. But I want to get into Week One a little bit. I personally think that I'm, well. I'm worried about Nick Foles. Worried about Nick Foles. I'm not worried about our defense. Um, I think Zach Ertz is already in midseason form. I'm worried that Alshon's not playing, but I think that we'll be okay there from a receiving standpoint because I think that Zach Ertz is Zach Ertz, and I think that Nelson Aguilar is going to play well. And I actually think Mike Wallace will play better. I think he'll play better than he's played during the preseason. I think our defense will be uh, on point. I'm a little worried because I I know that they're coming in. I know that the Atlanta Falcons, when I say they, I mean the Atlanta Falcons, are coming in for revenge. I know that they got a target on us. Like, they are, you know, they taste blood. They want blood. So, I I get it. I understand that. However, I really feel like the Eagles will be prepared enough. It's going to be a tight game, though. It's going to be a tight game like it was in the playoffs, honestly. Honestly. I'm seeing a 21-17 game right now, or maybe a a 24-21 game. I'm just not able to pick a winner yet, honestly. (laughs) I don't know if the Eagles lose this game or the Eagles win this game. I really don't. Um, Like I said, I'm worried about Nick Foles and his execution. Um, Because if we go back and we remember, it's not like Nick Foles had... um, a died my game against the Atlanta Falcons. He didn't throw for any touchdowns that game. Um, he got he had a few plays that he got lucky, and, I, and I, we had to give a lot of credit to our defense who played lights out that game. So that's how we won that game. It wasn't on the back of Nick Foles, even though he you know he he kind of he kind of game managed the game. So um, in order for us to win this game. Nick is going to have to make a few plays. You know, we don't have Garrett Blunt anymore, to you know, to pummel the ball in the end zone. You know, I, I get it. We got a Jai. We got Sproles back, which is wonderful, wonderful. It's another weapon that we know we haven't even talked about yet because, you know, we haven't seen him in so long. As far as like in game action, um, we haven't even got a chance to talk about him. But, you know, it, it's wonderful to have him back but I'm just concerned about Nick Foles' execution right now. Not sure if he'll execute uh, the way I, way we need him to. Can he execute to get us 24 points this game? I don't know. I don't know. To get us 27 points, I don't know. But um, I'm not seeing it necessarily being a high-scoring affair. Um, I don't think our defense will allow that, especially being at home. I think that, like I said, um, I'm feeling that it's going to be like a 24-21 game or a 21-17 type of game. I'm leaning Eagles right now. Maybe that's just my bias coming in to play, but I'm leaning Eagles right now. Um, Just like I can't. If I had money to put down, I I don't know if I could put the money down on the Eagles, but I'm leaning Eagles right now as far as you know the, the home opener. Um, and I feel like, you know, once you get past the Falcons, you got a 10-day uh, window to get ready for Tampa Bay, which I think will be a win. And you got the Colts coming up in week three. And I think Carson will be back by that time. I'm hoping that he's back by that time. That's my initial thought. But we'll see, you know, during the 10-week break, you know, if he is actually progressing enough in order to be ready for week three. But I think right now, like I said, 21-17, I'm going to take the Eagles. I'm just going to make a decision right now. Just take the Eagles. Um, I think that Nick Foles. I think he manages the game. He doesn't have an out a lights out type of game. Not like a 38 to seven game like he did against you know Minnesota. Um, but I think that the game is won based off of coaching. And I think that Doug Peterson is going to have the right game plan in order to win that game. And I think that um, Swartzy is going to have our boys ready on, on defense. And they're not going to play any games. They're going to be lights out as much as they can be anyway. I know is going to come in. Like I said, they're going to be looking for blood. But um, I really feel that uh, Swartzy is going to... he's going He is not going to allow them to run up the scoreboard on him in the home opener after winning the Super Bowl. He is not going to allow that. I can't see the Falcons scoring 28 points. 35 points, anything, like 31 points, something like that. I can't see Swartier letting that happen. I I just can't see it. Now, I get it. You know, our last official game, a team put up 33 points on us, and we had to score 41 in order to win. But, you know, we're at home this game. Home opener, season opener, kickoff to the season. I, I think our boys will be ready. And I, I, if, if for nothing, I think our defense is just going to be ready. You know, no, we're not talking about them enough. Like, all we've been talking about is foals. We've been talking about foals, foals, foals. Carson Winston foals, foals, foes, foes. You know, and I get it. It's an offensive-driven type of league. However, we haven't talked enough about this defense. Defense has to potentially be another top-five defense in this league again for a second year in a row. They got deeper in the defensive backfield. They got deeper and more talent on the offensive line. I mean, I'm sorry, on the defensive line. They have definitely offensive line too, but they got deeper on the defensive line and and, and more talent there. And they're making moves now in order to solidify their linebacking core. Jordan Hicks is back and he looks good. We didn't even talk about him. He looks good. So, you know, I think our defense is going to be ramped up. They're going to be ready. They're going to be ready. We'll play. A, we'll, pl- we'll probably play a lot of nickel considering that Bradham is out. I don't know. I guess it would be uh, Nate Gary or Nate Jerry starting. Um, but we'll we'll probably play a lot of nickel, you know, in order to not have the three linebackers, in order to have two. Um, it's a shame that, Michael, you know, Michael Kendricks is gone. And, you know, just from his little stint in the last few days, he probably won't ever play in the league again. Um, you know, inside a trading thing, that's pretty serious. And I've I've talked to a couple of different people. You know, people say, like, you know, there's some people that say, like, he won't do any time. He'll just, you know, pay a fine and he'll, you know, be restricted from doing, you know, trades in the future. Um, he'll be really restricted in, in trades that he, the kind of trades that he does. And then I hear other lawyers say or other people say. Oh, he's, he's going to jail. He's federal. So, we'll see what happens with that. I mean, but he's a lot on this team anyway. So, you know, we'll see what happens with, uh, you know, the linebackers and due time on this team. But I think our defense will be ready. Um, the special teams will be special teams. They'll be, uh, I mean, I, I just hope that Elliott can actually hit. Any field goal now. I mean, he's. For some reason, he can't hit any field goals 35 yards and, and shorter. I don't get that. He nails them from 50 yards out, but he can't nail them, you know, 35 yards in. It's crazy. So we'll see what happens with, you know, with that. Um, Let's say we got the punter. The punter situation squared away. And yeah, um, I think. After you talk about everything else, it all comes back to Nick Foles again. And it's, like, so tiring to spend so much time on him, um, considering that I don't want to spend that much time on him. Like, but that's just what it is. That's You know, it's what it is. People care about the quarterback position a lot, and I think it hurts us a little bit um, as fans that Carson is not starting week one. Cause I was one of those ones that believed it. I was one of those ones for a long time. I believed that Carson was going to start Week One, and that was going to be it. Like, dude, like all this Nick Foles salt was going to be put to bed. But that's not the case. Nick Foles is starting, and he has, he needs to execute on Thursday. So, like I said, I'm leaning 21-17 um, Eagles right now, uh, or 24-21 Eagles. And if we can get past Week One. I think a lot of pressure will be off of Nick Foles. A lot of pressure will be off of this team period just to win it open at night. Cause it's, you know, we're, we got the spotlight on us, you know. There's no other games going on and they're not even college. So we'll see what happens on Thursday. I think our boys will be ready on the defensive, you know, from a defensive standpoint. I'm hoping that our offense is ready. I trust Doug in order to make the right game plan for this game and um i trust him to be a couple steps ahead of dan quinn so um if he can be a couple steps ahead of mike zimmer who we played last year in a you know nfc championship game he can be steps ahead again against dan quinn even no matter how talented that team is so we'll see what happens on thursday i'm leaning like i said leaning eagles right now um and i'm nervous I'm, i'm nervous for this game i won't lie but um We should be excited because football is back you know all the like for so long we've been talking about it you know coming back we've been celebrating being champions and football is back this is the road to super bowl 53 right now It's, it's starting it has started actually so um oh one more note before i end this segment of the podcast um let me give a shout out to malcolm jenkins um And not just Malcolm Jenkins, but the whole, I guess, the leadership committee uh, of the football team right now. Because Jenkins, uh, or as I like to say, Jink, Jink went up uh, to Doug, or he, you know, he was outspoken a little bit against the Super Bowl um, 52 champions um, logos that were all through the locker room. He said, I hate it. He wanted it to be removed because... He doesn't he wants to he wants to keep the team hungry. I respect that. That's a real leader. Um and he said he wanted it removed. They had to talk about it. They removed it. I love it. I love it. I love what he's doing. I love the kind of leader he is for this team. I respect it. And I'm thankful that um, we have a leader like him on this team. So big shout out to Malcolm Jenkins who I'm, who I'm actually uh looking for I I think he'll be the team captain again this year Uh, him and Carson and um, I don't know who who else it'll be Um, like special teams wise and stuff like that but I think it'll be Carson think it'll be Jink and uh, maybe Jordan Hicks because Brandon Graham hasn't really been uh, active during camp so maybe Jordan Hicks but um that's just me digressing a little bit I, I gave you my pick for this week uh, we'll see what happens after um, we'll see what happens on Thursday and on I'll probably be tweeting out my um, reactions from the game on my Twitter handle as well as on um, probably on my Facebook too so stay tuned for that and i uh, just going to end this segment here and then I'll transition into a little bit of Sixers talk and a little bit of Phillies talk. This is Dom Lewis from the Philly Sports 444 Podcast, and I'll be back in a moment. Welcome back, everybody, to the Philly Sports 444 Podcast. I'm your host, Dom Lewis. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, you guys can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You can subscribe on Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. You can also listen to the podcast on Anchor or using your Anchor app. This podcast is actually powered by Anchor, and we want to thank Anchor so much for giving us the platform and the opportunity to share our thoughts with you guys, and we really do appreciate all you guys' support, so thank you. Um, I'm going to transition now from the Eagles to the Sixers and the Phillies um, because um, I've nick Foles you guys to death. So <laughs> I'm going to transition to... Um, the Sixers and the Phillies. Not too much to talk about, though, um, on the Sixers standpoint, from a Sixers standpoint. Um, the Sixers will be interviewing uh, GM Kennedy's this week. They will be interviewing, um, I think his name is Jarrison Ro- Rosas. Uh, they'll be interviewing Larry Harris, and they'll be interviewing Justin Zanuck. Uh, now, these three men, one of them is from Uh, I think Larry Harris is from the uh, Golden State Warriors. Uh, Justin Zanuck, I think he's from Utah. And the other one is from the Rockets organization. So they got some pretty good candidates that should be coming into the office this week or coming into the um, offices this week in order to interview for the GM position. I'm just hoping that the Sixers cannot uh, ruin this, honestly, because I've really had some... um, I I haven't felt confident in Sixers as far as from a front office standpoint for a while now, Um, at least for the last few months. I just haven't felt confident in them. I mean, I mean, the Mikel Bridges trade that I just felt like that was just a complete um, they they really dropped the ball on that and not having a GM. And for them taking this long, not having a GM, I think that's really a problem um, considering that the season is about to start. Now, it's not too late, but it is getting late, you know, where they should have had a GM already, I feel, um, considering that camp is about to open up. And um, a little more than a month from now, probably, I think it's about five or six weeks from now, the Sixers will be opening up um, their season, October the 16th. So, you know, we need to get on the ball here and have someone installed as the GM set up, ready to roll and rock and the fact that they don't have one is just it's kind of it's unacceptable from a standpoint of being a professional um, team in the NBA because um, they should have they should have had one by now honestly I think Josh Harris and his committee slow walked on this thing I, I heard them say something along the lines of they're not opposed to having Brett Brown Uh, Going into the season with the interim tag still on Brett Brown, I don't want that at all. Listen, Brett Brown is, I think he's a good coach. But I do not think he should be the interim GM going into the season at all. I don't find any reason um, for him being the uh, interim GM going into the season. I don't find any good reason in that. That that leads me to believe that you dropped the ball in this GM search. That leads me to believe that you're inept as a front office. That's a problem to me. Now, in the past few weeks, they've um, gave, given out some new titles. They've uh, you know promoted someone to assistant GM. Uh, I think they promoted Elton Brand to uh, vice president of basketball operations. It's all good. Like, you know, I appreciate that. But we should have had a GM by now. Should have had a GM by August 1st, I feel. And the fact that we didn't have one, it just leads me to believe that they dropped the ball on this, honestly. Um, that they didn't take this as serious as they should have. So, um, Sixers so got to get that together, man. I'm not saying that I'm giving up on them. I just feel like they, they dropped the ball on not having the GM installed by, um... August 1st, they should have, they should have had that GM installed, you know, if not for if not for nothing, like a few weeks after the draft, Um, I get it, they weren't going to get one by the draft, but there should have been one by mid-July, definitely by August 1st, I feel, so um, that's just a bad, it's a bad look on the Sixers, but we'll see what happens this week when they interview for the GM uh, positions. Uh, or for the positions, excuse me, to interview the candidates for the GM position. Uh, we'll see what happens. I would—I I don't know too much about these guys. I just know that they're coming from great organizations. And uh, I really respect um I would like to get the guy from uh, that was the assistant GM in Golden State. Not saying he's going to mimic what happened in Golden State, but I really feel like they have built a sturdy franchise for the next, couple of years, and they've taken advantage of things while, uh, you know, while the ball's in their court, per se. So, I really feel like him bringing that culture here could really help the Sixers and push them to the next point. So, um, just being around that culture, you know, and I'm not saying him as a GM, per se, but if he's going to bring some of that culture here, some of that winning culture here, some of that culture in order to build a team over years and years and years to come. I would love that. So, that's, that's the guy I kind of want in our court. Um, we'll see what happens, though. I wouldn't be opposed to getting either one of these guys, honestly. I, we'll just see, you know, what happens. And, you know, um, I'll be I look forward to having a GM, you know, at the helm here. I don't want anyone that's going to be controlled by Josh Harris or controlled by... Uh, the guys that are already in the front office. I want someone who's going to make his own decisions. And if that comes to someone that's going to, you know, come in and eventually get rid of Brett Brown, then so be it. Because um, I just want someone who's going to make their own decisions and not feel pressured uh, by ownership and by the current front office to do things their way. I want things. someone to do things. I want someone to come in and do their things the right way in order to win help this team win games, and eventually win a championship. Um, As long as Ben and Joe aren't traded or aren't, you know, sacrificed in some type of way, um, that's all I want, honestly. I just want someone who has a clear-cut direction on the way they want this team to go, not tanking, but actually building upon Ben and Joel being here and actually developing a championship caliber team. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, As far as... Um, any player news? I don't really have any. Uh, the only thing I can say is I, I think it was last week, saw the video of Ben Simmons. He was, uh, doing like five on five. And, um, I mean, he looks even more aggressive than he did last year. He looks like he's faster or something. It's, it's kind of, it looks kind of good. I'm not going to lie. look kind of good out there. He's like even more, I mean, going through the lane, reverse dunks and, um, just blowing by people and and shooting a couple jumpers, which was which was relieving to see. Um, I think my only concern with him is that he didn't necessarily work with a shooting coach or like a guru this all season as far as his shooting. But I'm I'm happy that he's you know showing in games or showing in uh, you know five on five competition that he's willing to take the jumper, which is a big deal. Um, now you know. We'll see what happens during the season, but I think he knew that I got to get this mid-range game going, and I think I'll get it going, so um, Ben Simmons, that's what he's doing, and he cut ties with uh, Kendall Jenner, which was a big relief to me, because I just, uh, I don't mean I say it a big relief to me, because I wanted to make it seem like his game was dependent on hers, it's not what it was. I just felt like he was, it was a bad look on him because it was like, all we saw was him in the spotlight of the, like, you know, the gossip columns and the TMZs, and we don't need that. Like, he doesn't need that. He just needs to be focused. Uh, He is a kid that loves basketball, loves the game, and I know he wants to focus on getting better and being the best player that he can be, being the best player in the league eventually. So I know that he wants to do that, and I feel like all of this talk, you know, this gossip stuff, and him and Kendall, and him being in that spotlight, which is a bad look on him. And I'm I'm relieved now that he can actually just uh, I'm not saying he's not focused on his social life, but the focus is shifted back to basketball. I'm relieved at that, so I'm happy with that. Um, you know, just look, Ben. Just play your game the way you're going to play your game, man. And just be better, man. Just be better for our team. I think you and Joel, I think you guys are unstoppable. Honestly, like, when it comes down to it, I think you two are unstoppable. Like, people can't stop JoJo. People can't stop Ben. Um, Only Ben can stop Ben. Only JoJo can stop JoJo. So, that's how I feel about those two. And I just really feel like we got to, you know, I just want a GM that's going to come in here to surround this guys with the right players, and I just want you know, those guys to take the next step in their game, whatever it may be. Ben shooting a mid-range game, and Joel going more on the block, and whatever it may be, I just hope those guys take advantage of, you know, these, op- these opportunities while they have them, and not let them slip by, so we'll see what happens with the Sixers, so um, I'll actually just end this segment here. I'll end it here, and I'll just do another segment with the Phillies. Uh, I won't be too long about the Phillies because I'm just so disappointed in them. So um, I'm going to end this segment here about the Sixers, and I'll be right back, and I'll talk some Phillies. Welcome back, everybody. Philly Sports, 444 4 Podcast. I'm your host, Dom Lewis. So, we talked about the Eagles, we talked about the Sixers, and let's get into a little bit of Philly's talk. Um, I mean, what can I say about the Phillies? I'm just, I'm honestly disappointed um, in how things have turned out. Not saying because um, at the beginning of the season, I expected much from them, but with them being good through the all-star break into August, I expected them to get into the playoffs and it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Uh, the Phillies have, I think they've won only nine of their last 25 games and they just can't seem to win a series. Honestly, they, I mean, they dropped series. They're finding ways to lose games. Um, and it's not just the offense anymore. It's the pitching, too. The bullpen. The starters. It's it's everything. This team is finding ways to lose games. Um, I mean, last week they had a series against the Washington Nationals. And they found ways to lose games that were just unheard of. Like bad base running and not tagging up before, you know, once a fly ball is caught. And it was just ridiculous. I, I just, I was so like, I was just like, I'm over it at that point. I was just, I'm over this team. Um, As I said earlier in the podcast, I really feel like this team just was the bridge to get us to September, to get us to, uh, Eagles football in the season, in the Sixers and the Flyers when they start, and everything else. But I just I'm I'm over the 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 Phillies. I got like I'm like tuned out on them. I'm not saying that I'm not following them. Um, I'm not I'm but I'm not like I don't believe they'll make the playoffs. I'm following them just for the sake of following the Phillies at this point. Uh, they lost another one today. to the Marlins. I I don't understand how they keep losing to this Marlins team, who stinks. They are awful. Now, the only benefit of the Phillies team right now, I mean, they're four games back in the NL East, and I think they're two and a half out of the second wild card, Um, and I'll confirm that just to be sure, but the Phillies right now, I mean, they're, like I said, they can't buy a win right now. They're just god-awful and I I'm not going to say that I expected um, like I expected them to be great that's not what I'm saying I just the way they're losing games is just so disappointing and so disheartening um, it's just like how how are you guys losing? How did you guys lose that game? How did you guys drop the ball in that game? It's just... Man, it's just so... um It's such a different... It's such a, a turn of events from, you know, a month ago. Like, they were still high a month ago. They were still leading NL East by, like, two games. Um, but right now, like I said, they can't buy a win. And they won a tough game against the Cubs on Friday night. They hit... Um, a shrivel, uh Cabrera hit a walk-off, which was amazing. I, I sat here and I watched it. It's a pretty good game. Um, but, um, yeah, I just, I'm just, oh, I'm sorry. They're, they're actually, um, so they're three game three and a half games out of the wild card right now. That's what the Phillies are right now. So, but they're just finding ways to lose games. They're finding ways to just, to give up leads. Um. There were a couple times in the National Series where they actually were, like, leading, and then they would give up the lead. Bad pitching and bullpen not coming through. Bullpen giving up runs. Starting pitchers giving up runs. I think there was one game, I want to say it was Vinny Velasquez, or Velasquez, excuse me. I think he pitched, like, three innings one game. I'm like, what? Like... We can't have our starting pitchers going only three innings, four innings. That's ridiculous. How can you expect to make the playoffs if you if you're doing that? That's just awful, man. It's it's god awful. So the only benefit right now of the Phillies and the way they're playing and the like they're going down a slippery slope of just going in fading into the abyss. I mean, like I said, the Atlanta Braves cannot they can't pull they can't pull away. Right now, the the Phillies are four games back, but Atlanta is not doing anything to really run away with the division at this point. And we got my uh, excuse, me, not Miami. We have uh, the Braves for a two series ending the season. We have a, we go into a four game series with them. Uh, I think a week before the season ends, and then we have a is another series in between there, and then we go into the final series is against the Braves, a three game series. So. If we can stay, the Phillies can stay like within two and a half or two games of the NL East lead. There's a possibility that they can make the playoffs, but they can't even do that at this point. I just think, um, and this whole thing with the with Gabe Kapler doing different lineups every single night, not assigning roles to his play, like to the players, I just think it's it's foolish on his part. You know, I think it's. I'm not saying he's a bad manager. Or that it's bad managing is just questionable. Like, why are you doing this? Why is the lineup not set? You know, I just I you know I don't overthink it. Like, don't overmanage. Just manage the way the, manage the game the way the game should be managed. Just don't get going overboard at this point. And it's just I don't know, man. It's just it's it's kind of perplexing how they just fell apart the way they did. It's like they ran out of gas. Um, I mean, it's starting to show like the defensive, you know, struggles, they're just starting to, they're starting to reflect and, you know, starting to shed a light to them. And it's just, at this point, it's just, it's just bad. It's bad baseball. You know, it's not, it's not lovely. It's not good to see. It's no fun. It's no fun. So, I mean, like I said, the Phillies are, they they currently have 72 wins, um, but it's just, I, I it's a seventy-two and sixty-five. I, it's upsetting, man. It's it's upsetting the way they fell apart, the way they did. Run differential of a, a minus eleven. Currently on three-game losing streak, three and seven in the last ten. Just, I don't get this team, man. It's upsetting, man. Upsetting. Milwaukee, they got the, you know, they have the first wild card. 78 wins, 61 losses. St. Louis is 76-62. And then the Dodgers after that, Diamondbacks, and and then the Phillies. So, I don't know, man. I just, I I guess, I don't know. I'm just kind of disappointed in the way things turned out because I really, really believed that this team could just, they were good. You know, I thought that they were, you know, I thought that they would pull through. They would shock everybody you know, win a wild card series and then go into the divisional series, possibly lose it. But, you know, they can't, they can't hit, man. The team right now is, the pitching sucks. It doesn't suck. It's just, you know, it's not everything. Nothing is good right now. There's nothing good on the team. Uh, There's nothing good right now. You know, people are going through slumps. I feel like, I tweeted it out on Friday night. I I feel like Reese Hoskins is, is a good power hitter, man, but he, He can't catch. He's a bad outfielder, man. He's awful. Can't catch anything out there. So, I don't know, man. Phillies, um, I mean, for what it's worth, like I said, uh, I don't think they'll end this. I think they'll end the season winning over 80 games, if that's any positive spin on it. But they're not going to make the playoffs at this point. They just can't. They're just falling apart. They're fading down too fast. And, um, yeah, so that is what it is for the season. I mean, it's interesting. Well, I I don't know. Will they they go after Machado? Will they go after um, Bryce Harper? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, they got money to spend. They can be aggressive. They can do what they want at this point. It's up to them completely. If They're going to attract the right people here to get them here and one thing I can say though, we got a bona fide ace in Aaron Nola, so um, I am happy about that. I mean, he didn't have a good outing in his last outing, but I am I am happy with what Aaron Nola has done this year, and I wish he was going to get the Cy Young, but I doubt that he will. I think it'll be Degrom um, ends up getting the Cy Young, even though the the Mets stink. But um, I really am I'm pleased with what I've seen out of Aaron Nola this year, and uh, really, really got a lot of respect for me. So I'm glad to have a bona fide ace. And I, I wish that, um, you know, Arietta was doing better this year. It seems like he's just having an up and down type of year. But it is what it is. So um, that's really what I have on the Phillies talk. Like I said, I don't think they'll make the playoffs this year. Um, I think they'll end up winning over 80 games. You know, I think they'll have a, a record above 500. they probably end up with like 83, 84 wins. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. So, um, that'll wrap it up for the um, the Phillies talk. Uh, no Flyers talk this this uh, podcast around, but hopefully I'll have some Flyers talk with the next episode of the podcast. But I'm just going to take a short break, and then I'll wrap it up just with, like, my final thoughts on everything. And, you know, just final thoughts on, um, and I'll just talk about a little bit about some other things. But, yeah, just going to wrap it up with the next segment. But... Uh, just going to take a short break, so stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Philly Sports 444 Podcast. I'm your host, Dom Lewis. Uh, just want to thank you guys once again for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. Um, just wanted to uh, end... This on a uh, congratulations to Colin Kaepernick, who was uh, who was now who is now the the face of Nike's 30th anniversary of the Just Do It campaign. Um, well, it's the 30th year of Just Do It, and it's their um, their campaign that they're launching. Uh, Colin Kaepernick is now the face of it, which is um, it's amazing, man. It's amazing to see, and I, I say that because um, you know there has been a lot of talk about. The protest and you know first of all it was always supposed to be an anthem during the protest, not um not protesting the anthem. Uh and for that to, you know, become the message and for people to start hating people and, you know, spewing out hate speech and all of this stuff, uh, and saying that, you know, people are disrespecting veterans and all of this stuff during this protest uh, has been it's just been it's been ridiculous, honestly, like people don't do their research. And under, you, I don't even know if people understand that um, the way the protest even started for Colin Kaepernick, he was he just sat down on a, a, you know, on the bench. He never even like stood up for the anthem or nothing. He just sat down on the bench and he talked with a veteran and the veteran told him he should take a knee like so this was actually suggested by a veteran you know the fact that people will say stuff like oh you're disrespecting the vets and you know just all of the hate speech and it's just so ridiculous um and that in the message you know for the entire protest it seems like it got lost and it's just unfair because that's that's never what it's been about that's why i respect like Malcolm Jenkins, what he's been doing. He hasn't even been going out during the national anthem. He's been sitting in the, you know, sitting in the bowels of the stadium or he's been sitting in like the, the tunnel, waiting until the anthem is over to do his protest because he doesn't want the, he, and he's smart. He's, he's so smart for what he's doing because he's taking back the narrative, which was out there as far as spewing disrespect during the anthem. He doesn't want... That's not what it's for. That's not what it's supposed to be. It's not its intended purpose. So in his mind, what he's done is he's taking back the narrative to focus the issue back on the protests. And I just think it's genius by him because now you can't get Donald Trump saying anything crazy like um, um, these players need to do this, need to stand up for their flag or stand up for the anthem and be proud and and salute their flag. and You know, just a bunch he's just, it's just, it's just foolishness. It's not saying that people are disrespecting the flag at all. Like, I don't want people to disrespect the flag or disrespect the anthem. That's, but that's never what it's been in the first place. That's never what it's been in the first place. It was just a protest during the anthem. And the fact that people have spun it, made it a anthem protest and have spun it into disrespecting vets and It's just ridiculous, and I'm so happy um, that Malcolm Jenkins is doing what he's doing right now as far as trying to take back the narrative, and I'm happy that Colin Kaepernick is now the face of the Just Do It campaign. It's well-deserved, if you ask me, because he sacrificed so much. And I'll read read the ad to you. The ad says, uh, let me find it. Give me one second. Give me one second. Here it is. Believe in something, even when it means sacrificing everything. Just do it, man. I, I I couldn't be more proud. I couldn't be more proud of him. I couldn't be more proud of Nike. Um, and I see people doing stupid stuff right now. Like I saw someone like cut the Nike logo off their socks. Um, one, you already bought the Nike products that's not a protest what do you what exactly are you trying to prove by cutting the Nike logo off your socks or cutting the Nike logo off of your shorts all you're doing in my eyes is just trying to get attention you're not protesting anything you're not protesting Nike like come on let's not be ridiculous like come on stop it like it's just showing who you really are if, if you can't get on board with like if you if you want to protest Nike because they made Colin Kaepernick you know the spokesperson or the the front the fate the the foreman of their just do it" campaign if you want to protest them it's something wrong with you there's nothing wrong with nike It's nothing wrong with colin kaepernick because you're just being ridiculous at that point honestly there's nothing wrong with what he's doing there's nothing wrong with what nike's doing you just have hate in your heart you need to get that hate out of your heart honestly so um a big salute to colin kaepernick a big salute to nike They've been on the forefront lately, you know, with uh, standing up for athletes. And I, I really do appreciate that. I mean, they set up for Serena Williams when um, they said, um, I think what's going on, in the U.S. Open right now? Whatever tournament is going on, whatever major is going on right now, they told Serena that she could not wear uh, bodysuits suits uh, in the future because of uh, whatever, whatever reason that they gave, not even knowing that. Serena is wearing a bodysuit to prevent the blood clots in her legs. That's what actually had her in the hospital after she gave birth. And it's just ridiculous, like, sometimes, like, how, like, certain people are just singled out. Particularly, like, the black athlete is singled out. Um, Serena getting singled out and Kaepernick singled out. And it's just, I just find it to be ridiculous. And I just, I salute Nike for standing up, you know, for the right thing. So, thank you, Nike. Appreciate that. And congrats to Colin Kaepernick, you know, on being the, um, the face of the Just Do It campaign. Because it's well-deserved. And, you know, for anyone who ever wanted Colin Kaepernick to fail and wanted Colin Kaepernick to not get another job and all of that stuff. Um, there's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with Kaepernick. There's, nothing, there's something wrong with you. Because for you to want a person to actively um, not be better or not bring awareness to social injustice, there's something wrong with you. So um, I don't want to spend too much time on that. I just want to give, you know, congrats to Colin Kaepernick and give a salute to Nike for standing up for, you know, um, for what's right ultimately for what's right so uh, much respect um, that'll do it though for the podcast for this episode this is episode 11 of the Philly sports 4 for 4 podcast you can like I said you can follow us on Twitter at 4 uh, for 4 podcast that's F-O-U-R F-O-R the number 4 podcast you can always email us any questions any concerns any kind of feedback at 4 for 4 podcast at gmail.com it's spelled the same way as Twitter handle um, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Please give us a five-star rating. Let us know what you think. You can also get us on Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And you can always listen on the Anchor app. This podcast is actually powered by Anchor. So want to uh, express our sincere thanks again and gratitude to Anchor for giving us this platform to uh, get our thoughts out and to be able to just share with you guys and be able to reflect on our teams. Cause ultimately we're just fans. I'm just a fan. Like you guys, I just, I love our teams and I just, I'm, I, you know, I just want to be a voice for you guys. So thank you guys for listening. I really do appreciate it. Subscribe to the podcast, follow me on Twitter, um, email us, you know, get in contact with us. Let you, let us know what you think. And um, I'll be glad to respond and I'll be glad to interact with you guys. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Till next time, though, um, this is Dom Lewis from the Philly Sports 444 Podcast. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.